A reading from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his field to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother's come, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he has him back, safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given even a young goat so I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving and faithful God, we thank you today for your word, and we ask that you can continue to give us insight and understanding by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever made a mistake in your life? I 
hope so. I hope you can agree with me that you've made mistakes. Um, some of you probably carry some regrets for some of those mistakes you've made. Have you made a mistake? Do you have regrets? Have you ever blown it completely? Have you ever felt like you've blown it even with God? Have you ever walked away from God and then you weren't sure how to walk back? Or maybe even recently, some of you might have have walked away from God and might even be wondering, is it worth it to walk back? And yet you're coming here on Sundays and thinking, well, I don't know about this. Have you ever gotten far from God and then just wondered, how, how do I get back to God? I actually think throughout our lifetime, whether we've, uh, whether we've been in church or been a Christian since a baby or a child, or whether we came to faith as adults, I think throughout our lives, even as believers, we will go through this, where we'll find ourselves somehow a little farther from God or away from God, wondering, can I get back, or should I even bother going back? And, and sometimes it gets really bad. Because sometimes when we find ourselves in those kinds of situations, it, we, we've not just found ourselves apart from God and it's just something spiritual that's happening on the inside, but in the process, we've also done things where we've hurt people or we've hurt ourselves. Sometimes it gets so bad where we've cursed God or denied God. And sometimes it's where we've gone blatantly against what we know God wants. Sometimes it's so bad that, that we could say what we've really done is we've misused or we've abused what God has given us. Whether that's family or even money. Have we ever misused our money? Or our job? Or our school? Or a friendship? where we've done damage to those things and found ourselves far away wondering, can we get back? Did you ever put yourself before God and before God's good gifts? If that's you, or if you are still in a place of regret today, you need to know that you can get beyond it. Today can be your celebration with the God who will always take you back. And you know what? God wants to welcome you back with a bang. We're going to look at this, uh, this parable of the lost son. And just sort of walk this path of this younger son and what happens to him. So he decides at the beginning of the story that he wants his father to give him the share of the property that is going to belong to him. And we have to 
I've read before in a commentary that we need to kind of understand how this works from an ancient Israelite perspective, but I actually don't think we even need to go there. I don't think we even need that context because let's just think through what this really means, okay? You've got a father and you've got two sons and the younger one says, I know I'm going to inherit all of this when you die, dad. But I don't want to wait till you're dead. I want it now. So can you sell off half your property and give me the money? Like, that's actually pretty shocking and a horrible thing for a child to do, isn't it? Like, that's a terrible thing. And we sort of miss that in the story, that the younger son, it's, it, we'll focus on the, on the dissolute living and what he does with the money and say that's the terrible part. But we'll forget that he actually starts in a pretty bad place with, I'm just going to disrespect my family, and I just want my inheritance early. My brother's going to get half, I'm going to get half, so give it to me now, and, I'm, and I just want it. And what does he do with it? He leaves his family behind, forgets about them, and then goes and squanders it. And we find out later that that involved hiring prostitutes. We get the nicer word of dissolute living, and we can try to imagine what that is earlier in the story. So it's pretty insulting what he does. And so you can imagine this younger son who ends up blowing all of it. And there's a famine and he becomes in need and he is trying to feed pigs for a farmer to make ends meet and it's not enough and he's hungry and thinking about eating the pig slop. And he thinks, I could just go back to my father and I could work for him as a hired hand. Maybe he would take me back if I just said, you know what, I'm not fit to be your son anymore, but would you hire me? Would you give me a job, please? Because I can't walk back as his son. I've got to just go back saying, I can't be your son anymore, but please have mercy, give me a job. And so this is what he decides to do. So he sets off and he goes back to his father and and then we get this fantastic phrase in verse 20 of this wonderful story. It says, he set off and went to his father, but while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. See what happens there? The son has not made it to the father yet. He has not made any kind of confession yet. He's still far off. Have you ever been far off from God? You know what needs to happen? All, all that needs to happen is God needs to see you. And God is filled with compassion for you. It's not on you for the compassion to happen. God just needs to see you because you're his child. The son doesn't know this yet. He's still got his plan to go and confess to his father and say, I can't be your son anymore. You've got you've to give me a job. Please give me a job. I'm no, no longer worthy to be your son. And that's, in fact, what he does. So uh, the father runs to his son and notice that, that he's running. The son, I imagine this, if you imagine in your head, I think the son is kind of walking along the path, slumped down, beaten by life. The father sees him and runs to him and picks him up and hugs him. 
kisses him. The father's already welcomed him back before the son's done anything. But the son still goes through what he wants to say. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father completely ignores what his son says. He doesn't even say, it's okay, son, I forgive you. And, or he doesn't say, don't, don't be ridiculous, you're my son, you know. He ignores his son completely, and he talks to his servants, and he says, I, we, we got to have a party. So uh, bring out a robe, the best one we've got, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, uh, get the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have the best party we can, the biggest feast. Let's eat and let's celebrate for this son of mine. He was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. You see, th this is what God wants to do with you and for you when you feel far from him. It, it's not just that he wants to take you back and, oh, let's put it back to the way it was before. Yeah, if you were here in your spiritual life and then you drop down to here, God doesn't want to just put you back here. He wants to do this. Let's get the fatted calf and kill it and have a great party. Let's have a pig roast, you know, like that. Like, let's do something great. That's what he wants to do. Let's do something fantastic together. That's what God wants for you. What should we do with this? I think we have to actually take a cue from the younger son. You know, let's not try to do the beginning part of the story. So I'm not saying, you know, purposely go and uh, do some terrible things so that God can lift you up. But I do think we can acknowledge and look in our lives and say, yeah, I feel a little far from God. Even if we've fallen a little bit, I think we need to be humble as he was forced into humility, some might say. But we need to be humble and repent. He had repented in his mind. He knew he needed to go back to his father, um, whether it was just to beg for a job or what, but, but he came there in humility. It's funny that I say that that's what we should do, but in some ways we actually don't need to worry about doing it. Because all you really need to do is picture who you're going back to. You picture God, and you automatically become humble in God's presence. As soon as you picture God in relation to what you've done that's away from God, you automatically become humble. Your mind automatically goes to the, well, I'm not really worthy to, to get anything from you, God. So the son, all he had to do was picture his dad and think, how can I... How can I possibly go back to him? Well, the only way he could imagine was to go back and say, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. And in some ways, that's what we do with God. I'm not worthy to be your child anymore. And the surprise of it all is that God picks us up and says, yeah, you are. We're having a party for you. But our job is to acknowledge that we aren't worthy. In some ways, we have to 
disbelieve and believe at the same time. And what I mean is that we have to trust that God is God. That's the belief part. But we have to disbelieve that God would ever do that for me. Yet we have to walk back to him so that we get the surprise that God does do it for us. And then I think what we need to do is we need to enjoy the party. And some of us Christians are really bad at that. Like, we're really not good at accepting that God wants to have this party, that wants to have balloons here, and wants to, to celebrate with us and call us his children. Or sometimes we can be overwhelmed by that, that God wants to celebrate with us. Presbyterians in particular have a really bad reputation for, for not, not, like, no, let's not smile, anybody. Let's not sing with gusto. Let's not have a party. Let's not, like, let's have joy, but let's all bury it somewhere deep and not show it to anybody. But in this story, it kind of seems like they're doing actual things to celebrate together. I think that's what God wants for us to celebrate. We have to join the party. Now, there's someone in this story who, who doesn't join the party. And some of us might have this, this kind of heart, and, and it's really difficult to hear Jesus tell this story. Jesus originally is responding to his opponents, the Pharisees who were saying, look, this man eats with tax collectors and sinners, and this is one of the stories he told in response to that accusation. Because Jesus' response is basically, yeah, I'm eating with tax collectors and sinners, Come join me. And the older brother in this story are the Pharisees who can't come and join. Because they won't join with those people. What's uh, amazing about this is that God doesn't write off the Pharisees. God doesn't write off the person who says, I'm not going to join the celebration. So the, the older brother is uh, sulking, and, uh, and his father says, goes out to him. So the son like, gets angry, refuses to go in. The father hears about this, and instead of just saying, well, if he's not going to come to the party, then forget him. He doesn't do that at all. The father leaves the party, goes outside, and goes and pleads with his son to come to the party. And that's where the son digs in his heels and says, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never got a party. But this guy, this son of yours, not this brother of mine, notice, this son of yours, so not only am I going to be mad about the son, but now I'm mad at the father, at my father. He's your son who did this. He's squandered everything. And you're going to celebrate that he's here. And the father's response to his older son is just great. He says, you're always with me. 
and all that is mine is yours. Listen to that. All that is mine is yours. Because the younger son, his inheritance is gone. Right? Divided the estate. The younger son took his inheritance and blew it all. The older son still has his inheritance. All that is mine is yours. You're going to get it all. But today we had to have a party. Because he was dead. And now he's alive. He was lost and is found. And we actually don't know what happens then because the story ends and we don't know if that convinces the older son or not. But we do know that the father tries and tries with both of his sons. Now some of us are actually a lot closer to the older son than we are to the younger son. Where we'll hear some wonderful conversion story about someone and, and, and we meet that story with cynicism or skepticism. We hear someone talk about something fantastic that God is doing in our world, and we'll think, well, that's not happening for me, or our church isn't doing that. And we're grumpy instead of joining the party. It's actually better to acknowledge that we're all in that category of sinners, and that God wants to lift us up and bring us all to the party. In fact, by the end of this story, who is the lost son? It's the older one, isn't it? So let's be the child at the party with God. We all have a bit of both brothers in us, right? But what if we actually all came to the party? What if we all... Uh, left the sorting out about sin and, and who did what and how that all works. Leave that to God because look at what the Father does with it. He just says, okay, you're all welcome. You can all come. What if we behaved as though week in and week out we were celebrating the broken being put back together? What if we were celebrating that regrets are being pushed aside and forgotten about? What if we were celebrating week in and week out that the lost is being found and that the dead is coming to life? It might not be for me every week. It might be for somebody else. But let's celebrate that for somebody else. That's what being brothers and sisters is about. And the brothers in this story weren't really being brothers at the party, were they? But we need to be. Let's celebrate one another being dead and coming to life being lost and then being found. Let's celebrate that. Um, I was uh, reading this week and came across uh, this that was published in a church bulletin. Um, I, don't, I couldn't find the, what church it was. I, I just kind of found this online and, and it just said from a church bulletin. And it was what they put in their bulletin every week, uh, regularly, as their welcome to anybody who came through the doors of the church. And it made me think about what, uh, what these Pharisees might have thought about these sinners that Jesus was with and how Jesus responded to them. And so I just want to close with reading uh, this welcome uh, from this church bulletin. It says this, 
We extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, gay, filthy rich, dirt poor. We extend a special welcome to those who are crying newborns, skinny as a rail, or could afford to lose a few pounds. We welcome you if you can sing like Andrea Bocelli, or if you're like our pastor who can't carry a note in a bucket. <laughs> you're welcome here if you're just browsing, or just woke up, or just got out of jail. We don't care if you're more Catholic than the Pope, or haven't been in church since little Joey's baptism. We extend a special welcome to those of you who are 60, but not grown up yet, and to teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome soccer moms, NASCAR dads, starving artists, tree huggers, latte sippers, vegetarians, junk food eaters. We welcome those who are in recovery or still addicted. We welcome you if, you don't, if you're having problems or you're down in the dumps or if you don't like organized religion, we've been there too. If you blew all of your offering money at the dog track, you're welcome here. We offer a special welcome to those who think the earth is flat. <laughs> or if you work too hard, or if you don't work, or can't spell, or if you're just here because grandma is in town and wanted to go to church. We welcome those who are inked, pierced, or both. We offer a special welcome to those who could use a prayer right now, or if you had religion shoved down your throat as a kid, or if you got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome tourists, seekers, and doubters, bleeding hearts, and you. Amen. <laughs>